0: Thank you, worship team. Well, good morning. My name is Paul Phillips. I'm the senior pastor here. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm here to read the scripture for you. Numbers 21, Numbers 21, and if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a blue Bible in front of you, and Numbers is at near the beginning, page 129. Numbers 21, we'll begin with verse 4, and then uh, when Tyler preaches, he's going to refer to John chapter 3, the gospel of John chapter 3. So once you find Numbers 21, put some kind of marker on John chapter 3. Again, if you're using the Blue Bible, page 888. I realized I've been friends with Tyler for 25 years. That's a long time since I'm only 28. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Met Tyler when he was a high school student at Hoggard High School. I was doing Young Life. And uh, we really had a great friendship, I thought. And um, then he went to ECU, came back to UNCW, and when he came back, we were starting the church. So Tyler really helped start the church over at Temple Baptist Activity Center. And um, then he decided, hey, I want to go to seminary, and we helped send him to seminary, Master Seminary out in California. And then he ended up finishing at um, RTS in Orlando. And um, he's been at an EPC church in Michigan, Ward Presbyterian, a big church up there. And how long have you been in Orlando now? For three years. So he's moved to a PCA church in Orlando. But having Tyler here was like, I don't don't know if this happens in your household around Christmas and New Year's, but like old photos somehow come out, you know. And whether it's, uh, you know, an old photo album or you just have Christmas cards and you look at them and say, wow, they've their kids have grown or whatever you say, just sort of you're remi- reminiscing. And Tyler's like that. He's like an old photo album that's come back because uh, I just couldn't remember all the, you know, the things that were happening back then. But his mind is sharper than mine being 20 years younger. And um, it's really a joy. Matt Hamm, who's sitting back here somewhere, came up and he was in my Young Life Club as well and they were buddies together and he said, Paul, how does it feel like to have two forty somethings in your church that have middle school students now? Uh and when they were in your young life club. And I thought, that's the greatest thing. Isn't that the greatest thing? That what you did twenty years ago, that many days you thought, What am I doing? I mean, is this making any difference at all? Uh, it does, it makes a difference. And I'm I'm just grateful that Tyler is He's going to make a difference today by preaching the Word of God, but to just think we're all a tiny little part of Tyler's preaching in Orlando every Sunday to his church as well. It's a great, great joy. So would you stand with me as we read Numbers chapter 21, beginning with verse 4. From the Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. You may be seated, and I may be thankful that Tyler's preaching on this service this section of Scripture this morning, take a moment to reflect on God's Word.
1: Well, good morning. It's great to be with all of you, and man, what a great crowd at the end of uh, December. Um, uh, as Paul said, uh, it is a joy to be here and to serve uh, through preaching this morning. Um, Paul mentioned, you know, old albums. I'm at the age now where those old al- albums are painful. Like, wow, I had so much more hair back then. Um, but it's uh, great to be with uh, all of you today and uh, to to preach and to open uh, God's word. Um, as we enter... A very weird passage. Very weird, right? Um, It's got me thinking the last time I think I was here, I preached on a jawbone. And I must have said something because I haven't been back to preach in a while. So we enter a very weird passage. And my question for you today, but as you think back on 2023, how do you respond when things don't go as you wanted? Uh, How how do you respond in life when, when things that are coming at you or things that you are experiencing are not going as you have planned? Do you become impatient? Do you complain? And if you are here, and you're a human being, and you breathe like me, then that answer is yes. When things don't go as I want or planned, uh, do we become impatient? Do we do we begin to complain? There's this great quote. Um, they say Mark Twain said it, but I, you know you never know exactly. But it's no less true. So it's attributed to him. Quote: Don't complain and talk about all of your problems. of people don't care, and the other 20% will think you deserve them, end quote. Now, we know this, but if you are like me, there are things that come at us, and you feel like my only response is to complain. That's all I have in me to what I'm experiencing, to what I'm going through, to what they did. But Moses wants to show us today, as we turn the corner into a new year, and what God may put before you as a, as a, as a marker for what he wants to do in your life in this next year. Now, Moses wants us to see the seriousness with impatience and complaining and, and the sickness that we all carry inside What does our complaining expose? Well, we see in this passage just how easy it is for that to become our posture, how easy it is for that to be our way of life, and how we operate in this world is 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 to experience when things are not going as I've wanted that that this is the only reaction I have. Oh, we see this in verse four. Uh, of numbers twenty one from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way uh, we We need to look at the kind of the context of this story the The people of Israel have been in the wilderness they 've been wandering for for years, <laughs> many many years, uh, and on this journey, the only thing they 've had. To eat is this thing called manna, which in Hebrew all it means is "what is it," uh, which means it wasn't very good. Uh, they, they they didn't want it uh, on their journey. There, uh, there's no adequate water source, so they're wondering where's my next water going to come from. Um, it's just hot. I mean, it's like Wilmington in July hot. Um. It it, it, it it's it's just this all these factors are not what they want them to be. And they get this kind of idea. If we go through the land of Edom, we're going to get to where we want to go faster. We're going to get to the promised land. In the land of Edom, there's a water source. So we, we're not going to have to worry about water anymore. So they have this, this desire to, 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 to go on this plan, that this is where they believe God's taking them. This is going to solve all their problems if they can do this, if they can go the shortcut through the land of, of Edom. But turn back in your Bible uh, just to Numbers 20, one chapter before, Numbers 20, 21, 20 and 21. This is a conversation that they have with the people of Edom as they say, hey, we want to pass through your land. And it's, this is what we read, uh, verse 20 of chapter 20. But Edom said... You shall not pass through. And Edom came out against them with a large army and with a strong force. Thus, Edom refused to give Israel passage through its territory. So Israel turned away from them. The Israelites were told, you must take a long detour around the land of Edom. The Israelites were told, what you wanted What you planned for, what you were hoping for, is not what you were going to get. Uh, My wife will tell you, I'm actually wonderful to live with. Just as long as everything goes my way. And the second things start to go as we had not planned. What do we read? They became impatient on the way. They, they began to they began to complain. Uh they, they, just this natural default setting in the human heart that we wanted this plan, we were gonna go right through Edom, and now we're told we're going on a totally different plan. You know, it's a scene almost in it's like I've imagined the scene with Moses as he's uh, passing on the news, hey, s- sorry, um, uh, the way through Edom is canceled. It's almost like the the Southwest kiosk representative of the airlines, and there's just there's just line after line after line of people who are waiting, who they've been told uh, their flight is canceled, and Moses is there just looking, and uh, yeah, there's nothing available. We can't get you there. You're not going to be home for Christmas. You're not going to make it to see your family, and they're saying, you know, how could you? Canceled? Canceled through Edom, are you kidding me you've you 've seen someone like this at the airport, right, and some of you you 've been that person you know it but this is the default setting of the human heart to 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 find ourselves when things aren 't going as we planned to begin to complain. This is the story of the people of Israel. We've seen it already through the book of Numbers, Numbers 11, Numbers 14, 16, 17, here in 20. They, they tell the story of, of the human heart that when things don't go like we want, with such ease, we begin to complain. With such ease, we begin to grumble. With such ease, we begin to Struggle with patience and situations that come into our life. Can you see this morning we are just like these Israelites having to take a long detour around Edom? Maybe there's some place in your life you're having to take a long detour around Edom. Maybe for you it's your job that you just find yourself today in a job that you struggle that uh, man, I I know the Christmas break's coming to an end, but I'm gonna have to go back there. Uh, maybe there's someone you work with that, just every time you're around them, they just grate on every fiber of your being. Maybe it's the job itself. It's just I'm in this job, and I I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand what I'm doing. I feel stuck. Uh, I, I I don't know where the where I'm going in this job uh some of you um i see a couple of students here it, it's it's the uh you know almost like wh- why are, why why are my parents always in my business about everything and what am i doing with my life and why am i why am i doing this major or why am i doing this career or why am i doing this and, and you know why, why why are they why are they always bothering me about these things maybe if you're a parent here you're just wondering like why do my kids Not listen to me. Why are my kids crazy? Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's not you. Maybe everything's. um, If you're single, why is it another year that God has not brought someone into my life? We see this over and over and and the interesting thing about the, the single one, the second God does bring someone in your life, you'll begin to complain about that person. The theologian Barbara Streisand <laughs> said this: Why does a woman work ten years to change a man's habits and then complain? That he's not the man she married. I'm not a Barbara Streisand fan, but that's truth, truth. <laughs> Friends, do you see the ease in your own life where complaining becomes your default setting, where like impatience is just woven into, to who we are, where today, maybe this past year, there's a place you've had to take the long detour around Edom some place in your life where you keep coming back to over and over in your mental space of why is this not working out as I wanted? This is not going as I planned. But notice from our passage, Moses wants to highlight the deception of our complaining. Look at what he says in the very next verse in Numbers 21, verse 5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. That's the manna. What we see here right in this very next verse, after the, just the ease of complaining, the, the impatience that exists in our souls, the, the deception we begin to have with our complaining and with our impatience. This is what happens. We begin to dream we begin to dream of life. They dreamed of life back in in Egypt. We begin to believe that in our complaining, we actually know what is best for us. We we in the complaining we 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 believe uh, in those moments. Oh well, gosh! If if this happens, uh, w- once we get here, uh, once this gets worked out in my life, th- oh then everything will will go as it should once we get to this place this promised land once we find this food or once we get this water then everything's going to go as we plan then then don't worry then I will stop complaining when everything goes and gets to where I believe and dream it should then don't worry Tyler I'm going to be okay I'll stop complaining Boris Becker, you may know that name, you may not. Boris Becker was a world class uh, tennis champion. And uh, as he was moved through the kind of the highlight of his career in the later stages of his life, um, he's looking back um, to the season of his life where he was number one in the world in tennis. He is fame. Accolades, money. At some point, he was voted sexiest tennis player alive, which I don't even know what that means. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. But he's looking back on his career and this moment in his life when everything was going as he dreamed, everything was going as he had hoped, everything was going as he planned. And he was empty. Uh, This is what he said. I had won Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player ever. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace, I had nothing on the inside. Friends, Becker is trying to warn you from the desert. He, he's, he's trying to warn you because we keep saying, I keep saying, okay, yeah, my, my, I'm grumbling. I'm upset with the way things are in my life. But, but once I get here, uh, once I get to this place in my life, uh, once this relationship gets reconciled, uh once uh i get in this job that i've always been longing for tyler, tyler don't worry everything's going to be okay i'll stop complaining everything will be as it should be uh tyler once once i get my health back like i wanted once once i get my gpa to to this level uh w- once you know, there there's something there for all of us that we keep saying Tyler, yeah, I've got some grumbling. Yeah, Tyler, I've got some complaining. Yeah, Tyler, I've got some impatience. But don't worry, Tyler. I've got a dream. I've got a dream of once we get here, you will not have to worry anymore. Everything will be okay. But it won't. You may, you may say, Tyler, Tyler, what's the big deal? There's a little grumbling, a little complaining. And that's what That's what the human nature is. That's what I do. But we have to see... Moses is really wanting you to see this today. That our grumbling is serious. Because it's revealing an inner sickness. Uh, This is what he says in the very next verse, verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Uh, it, it tells us here about these these fiery serpents, and my thought when I first read this was this image almost of serpents that were on fire, like snakes that are slithering around and there's flames coming off of them, but th- that's actually not what it's talking about. It's actually talking about, in the context, uh, these, these snakes that existed in the desert there, that when you were bit by them, there was an incredible fever that took over your body. And along with this fever was a thirst that just couldn't be named. Uh, You just became incredibly parched and then you would die. It was a sign that the venom had, had, had worked its way into your veins. And this is what God Wants us to turn the page on for 2024. If you're here, if you're saying, once I get there, Tyler, everything will be okay. One, Tyler, once this situation, in my life gets worked out, then Tyler, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, everything will be okay. It won't. Because the venom's in your veins uh th- The fever is going to begin to take further and further root in your life the The thirst uh for something that oh once I get there will never be enough. You will continue to thirst for something else after that It's just it's just who we are there there will be a spiritual thirst, nothing will quench it that nothing will ever be enough um Why am I so grumpy? Why am I so bored? Why am I so frustrated with with life? It's because you've been bit. You've been bit. And there's a sickness that's working its way in all of us. And here's the really tough part of it. The venom won't stop. Um... The venom won't stop until it's taken you out. C.S. Lewis, which if you've been a part of this church at all, have probably heard C.S. Lewis um, along the way. C.S. Lewis tells a fictional story of someone who had been bit by this venom. The venom of grumbling, complaining, impatience and and this sense of life not working out as they want and they thought, "Oh, hey, don't worry, I'll get over this." But he says, "No, the the sickness just takes further root in your soul." This is this is how he put it. Hell begins with a grumbling mood always complaining, always blaming others, but you're still distinct from it. This is this idea of there's a grumbling, but you can recognize, oh, I'm still who I am as a person, he says. You may even criticize it, this grumbling in yourself, and wish you could stop it, but there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it, but just the grumble itself, going on forever like a machine. It's not a question of God, quote, sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Please don't move quickly past that. I don't know if you've experienced this in your own life. You encounter someone who the work of the venom has gone on for years in their life, and they're at a, an age and a stage where, where now uh, they're just grumpy about everything in their life. Have you ever encountered someone like that? This is, I, I just Everything's wrong with the world. Everything's wrong with this country. Everything's wrong. No pointing, Okay. That's the venom. That's the venom as it's worked its way in. That's what Lewis is saying. Lewis is saying it'll it'll <sighs> there will come a day when there'll be no you left. And here's the worst part. We can't get the venom out. That's what we see here. There's nothing we can do to fix it. All that we can do is, we heard earlier Matt say, the beautiful gift of confession. The beautiful gift of confession. This is what you see in the very next verse, verse 7. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. The people now are aware of their predicament. They're aware (laughs) of the the turmoil that is inside of them. They're aware of their need in that moment. Uh, They're crying out to God, God, wake me up from this this place. Wake me up in this spiritual slumber I'm in. Maybe this morning, God, wake me up uh, physically in the middle of this sermon uh, to to the reality of, of the places that you need to work in my life. That's a prayer to pray as you go into 2024. Lord, bring whatever you need to into my life that wakes me up to the reality that I am not in control. Lord, bring whatever you need to in my life to wake me up to the reality that whatever plan I think I have for my life, it is nothing compared to life with with you. But please see this, that as great as confession is, it doesn't change anything in our passage. They've they've confessed, they they have called out, they have cried out to God, they've said, God, please uh, set us free from this, redeem us from this. So the first step is just just naming how sick we are, that the venom is there. But how are we healed Well, we see it actually in the next two verses, verse 8 and 9. It says this. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who's bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So first, please see this. God provides a mediator. Uh God, God provides Moses uh to to stand in the gap for the people. He he comes to intercede on behalf of the people, to pray for the people, that that they would be delivered, that they would be redeemed of their sickness. And, and secondly, see that God provides a substitute, albeit a very weird, <laughs> weird substitute. God says in business, okay, take uh, 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 this bronze serpent, basically made of bronze, put it on on a rod, hold it up in the air, and anyone who who looks at it can be freed of their judgment. Um, Anyone who looks at this bronze serpent can look up and live. Uh, everyone everyone who who has been afflicted by the curse everyone who who can name their 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 soul's need if they will just look up they will be healed they'll be healed all that they had to do was look up and they would live it's incredible just just look up the, the venom's coursing through your veins, you're gonna die, but just look up. That's it. Now, I want you to know this about my. I am a very pragmatic person, so you read about a bronze serpent like this, and you're like, "Man, I have got to get me one of these." You just got to look up. I mean, that's all you got to look up and you're healed? But you can't find one. I I actually looked. They aren't on eBay. Um, And there's, you know, you don't find an infomercial at 4 a.m. saying, call now, and you'll get not only one bronze serpent, but we'll give you three absolutely free. Just call right now. They, They don't have that. And here's the worst part. The one bronze serpent that we had was destroyed. Um, Don't turn there. 2 Kings 18. Hezekiah is uh, in charge now. And it says this in 2 Kings 18 Hezekiah removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the asherah. Uh, He broke in pieces the bronze serpent. That Moses had made, for until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Neshutan. <laughs> Leave it to us as people to not only have an issue, have venom coursing through our veins, and then we worship the stinking thing. So Hezekiah broke it. So we wouldn't worship it anymore. So people know. Listen, that thing's a dead end. So the problem for you and me is: how then can we be healed? I mean, the one place God gave to to, to say that people look up and live is gone. Where can we find healing if the place God offered to save us has been destroyed? Well, I want you to think of in your mind just real quickly. And I've asked a couple people, um people in Florida, I've asked people here this question. What is in your mind the most well-known or popular verse in all the Bible? What 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 verse is the most popular verse in all the Bible. Don't say it. But we'll just what in your mind? I don't know if it's because of its beauty or it's because of Tim Tebow's eye black. But John three sixteen is the verse most people think of when they think of uh, the most popular verse in all the Bible and i'll read it if you if you don't know it it says this for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life what amazing verse what beauty in that verse but did you notice how that verse starts for now I, I I didn't learn a lot in school, but I did learn that. The four means what? It's connected. Jesus has been approached in the night by a rabbi named Nicodemus asking, how do I find life? Nicodemus had the venom. Rabbi, where where do I find true life? Where where do I go to be healed? This is what Jesus said. John 3:13 if you want to turn to 888 you can. It says this, no one "...has ascended into heaven, except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish." But have eternal life. Friends, Jesus is telling us if you want to be healed, if you want to be saved, if you want new life, if you want power to come into your world today, look up. Look up at me. Look up at what I've done. Look up how I've set you free. And then you will be healed. As great as Moses was as a mediator, uh, as great as he was to to serve and to plead on behalf of the people, he prayed sporadically, but we have a mediator, a better mediator, the best mediator of all, who pleads for us constantly before the Father right now. (laughs) As great as a substitute the bronze serpent was in that moment, it was only a shadow pointing to your salvation. It was only a shadow pointing to where healing truly comes. to the one who would come and bear our judgment, to the one who would come and take our curse, to the one who would come and take all the venom that exists in our souls and heal us and set us free. Uh, That you, you even see Jesus and how he is taking your curse on the cross, that this affliction of the venom that brought fever and thirst, uh, Jesus, one of his final things he says on the cross is what? I thirst. I thirst. Jesus is in that moment taking the venom. For what reason? (laughs) For you today to look up. For you to look up and see there is no other source of of water, of new life that will be found in this broken world than in him. That's the only place you can go. Look up. Look up. You have to imagine this scene too. That's what I I look at is (laughs) <laughs> Moses, <laughs> Moses is there. He's got all these grumpy people. He has you and me there. We're complaining. We're having this long detour around Edom. And and uh, in, and in this moment, uh, he he says, uh, "Hey, listen. Um, I, I I I talk to God. Um, God wants me to um, put this bronze serpent on a rod and and lift it up, and and uh, you'll be healed. Don't don't worry. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what God called me to do." And there were people in the crowd who, who they were just so full of faith. Like hearing that, they, they said, oh, look at how our God redeems. Look at what our God does. Look at how he is our stronghold for those with venom in their veins. I will look up. And they looked up, and guess what? They were healed. And then there were people like me in the camp. You know, I've got cynicism coursing through my veins. Moses, narcissist. What did he say? He, he talked to God. He, he, God said, this bronze, I just just look up at this bronze. Is he kidding? What, what does he think that's going to do? I got venom in here. He wants me to look up and I'm going to be, you know, with every bit of doubt coursing through my body, I look up and guess what? I'm healed too. You know Why? Because the gospel is never about the amount of your faith. The gospel has always been and will always be about the object of your faith and what he did and where you look. That's that's what God does. But if you're like me, we're so busy looking down, aren't we? Um my kids love uh, going to Chuck E. Cheese's. I don't know if you've ever gone to the wonderful establishment of Chuck E. Cheese's. Um, great games to be had by all, uh, as well as a, uh, a small case of the flu that you can inherit while you're there. Um, but one of the games my kids love to play the most is the the whack, whack-a-mole game. And you know, you're just sitting there and you wait for that <laughs> that thing to pop, but I mean, you just whack it down, and I think so many times in our life, that's how we live. Well, well there, there's that impatient. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. Uh, oh, I'm complaining again. Oh, I gotta get. This is where like I go. Want We're, we, we just we just keep looking down, and. And God says, my poor child, that will never solve the issue. Please, please look at what I've done. Look up. Look up. Um, Charles Spurgeon was a 18th, 19th century Baptist preacher and um before he became a christian his soul was in anguish just i mean he knew the venom of this passage and uh it was snowing outside and he was cold in london and he he wandered into a small uh methodist church and um there were only four other people at the church so i'm super grateful there was more than four people here today um and uh And according to Spurgeon, the guy that was preaching was not very good. Um, Don't tell me if that's how you feel. Ignorance is bliss. But he sits down in in this church with these four other people, and the pastor is not very good, can see him, that he's come in. It's like, oh, we got a new person. And he looks at him, and he says, young man, you look miserable. Now, preaching etiquette has come a long way since then like you we don't we don't say that anymore he says young man you look miserable and then he said young man look up and live so we said that's how he became a christian That's how God used him in mighty ways to transform England. This is what he said about that moment. The blow struck home. I saw it at once. I'd been waiting to do 50 things to find God. But then I heard those words, look up. And the cloud finally was gone. Like when the bronze serpent was lifted... The people only looked and were healed. And so it is with me. I looked up. Friends, this morning, as we turn the corner into a new year, and maybe you're carrying something from this past year where it feels like the long detour around Edom, Would you look up and receive once again the one who has come to heal you? (laughs) Would, Would you look up and see the one who has paid it all? Would you look up and see the one who has died in your place to free you of whatever is holding you back? Would you look up and live? Let's pray. Gracious Father, how kind you are to provide for us when we have nothing to offer, Uh, to meet us in the lowest and loneliest places. To, to meet us in our guilt and our shame, to, to meet us in the places where the venom feels like it has gone too far, that you meet us and you simply say, look up at Jesus Christ and live. Father, would, would that be our assurance today of your power? Would that be uh, our, the assurance today of how far you would go, the depths that you would, would move to show us the incredible love? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And whoever looks up at him will be healed now and forever. And we pray this in his name. Amen.